0: Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Manufactured in upstate New York, an employee-owned company, Golden makes the best acrylics, oil paints, and watercolors that you can buy. You can find them in your local art store, or you can find them online at goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists from around the world to join us this summer in New York City, or virtually from your studio, to learn from dedicated artists and expand as a maker in the legendary marathon program. Rigorous and immersive, marathons unfold over 10 days from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time daily, and present an extensive range of art-making strategies, comprehensive critiques, and inspirational discussions. Expansive, first-hand discoveries propel artists to relate to drawing, painting, and sculpture as direct methodologies for understanding one's experience in the world, the profound impact of which continues far beyond each marathon's conclusion. Generous partial scholarships are available. Visit nyss.org to apply today. Fulcrum Coffee Roasters are a Seattle-based, full-service, wholesale coffee roaster and retailer with over 25 years of experience defined by a focus on premium roast coffee and local and global community. Check out their coffee at fulcrumcoffee.com. Sound and Vision listeners can get 20% off your order of coffee by using the code AlfredStudio when you make an online order. Heather Gwen Martin is an artist born in Saskatchewan, Canada, who studied at the University of California, San Diego, and the School of the Art Institute of Chicago. Heather shows with L.A. Louvre Gallery in Los Angeles and Miles McHenry Gallery in New York. She's been included in museum exhibitions at the Museum of Contemporary Art in San Diego, the Torrance Art Museum in California, the El Segundo Museum of Art in El Segundo, California, the Pizzuti Collection in Columbus, Ohio, the Frist Art Museum in Nashville, Tennessee, the Chrysler Museum of Art in Norfolk, Virginia, and the Claremont Museum of Art in California. Her largest work to date, a 48-foot-high painting, Landing, is currently on view as part of the Public Art Project Murals of La Jolla in La Jolla, California. Heather lives and works in Los Angeles. A solo exhibition of her work entitled Nerve Lines and Fever Dreams is now up at L.A. Louvre, and runs through July 2nd. Here's Heather and I in conversation.
1: Nice. (laughs) So
0: here's the thing I was thinking about in, you know, from what I knew about your work and you beforehand, and then looking around online when I became more aware of your work. So there's stages. Okay. And so this probably doesn't even relate or you're not maybe not terribly interested in this, but a lot of times people will say like, Oh, well, you know, it's an art podcast, but you talk a lot about the people's lives and not so much about the art or not as much about the art. And sometimes that's irritating to people because they want to hear all about the process or whatever. But I think you're in a great example of this. There's there's a lot out there what out there I mean on the internet. There's a lot of information <laughs> about your studio and your painting and behind the scenes and your relationship to you know linen or whatever you know oil paint mixing color all that stuff so the thing that's interesting is there's not a whole lot to my knowledge about your backstory all right except for you grew up in canada for a little (laughs) while and then you went to san diego
1: right (laughs) (laughs) it's a high point right
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which isn't, it's not, I mean, there, there's probably a lot there, I would imagine, but I just, you know. So I was, you know, thinking maybe you could start with, you know, growing up and for how many years did you spend in Canada before you moved to Southern Canada? I California? was in
1: Canada until I was seven. And That's then a good amount Diego. of time. Yeah. That's yeah. like your
0: formative, like all your, not all, a lot of the wires were wired by the time you made a huge shift, I imagine, at least climate wise.
1: Right, yeah, it was a bigger shift than you might imagine, but I mean, it's all relative, I guess, but for a kid, it's sort of going into the first day of school, and it was a total culture shock in a way, and there was also this um, sort of idea I had in my head, me and my brother were talking about this California place, and we'd visited my grandparents before, but there's still, you know, in movies and TV, this whole sort of aura around California so we were imagining you know the extremes.
0: (laughs) Right so when you when you're growing I mean how long did you know that that move was going to happen was it something that was sort of you know you were building up to it or was it just like all right we're going?
1: Um, Well I feel like gosh when we were talking about it it was summer because I remember we were in a tent in the backyard so it would have been summertime and then we arrived in california the very first of september so i probably just a couple months i don't think my parents wanted us to worry too long or anything like that
0: well so what was the move like what did your parents do and what made that because that's a pretty big shift right
1: it is you know and my dad's siblings and and my mom's as well they're all still in canada so we're sort of a little bit of a rarity but um but my mom's parents had actually moved to, to San Diego when I was a baby. Um, and so we had visited often and my dad wound up coming down. My grandfather was supposed to be retiring here, but he's the type that worked until, you know, he could work no more (laughs) basically. And so he started a small business in San Diego and, um, so my dad moved down and, and became a partner in the business and brought our family. I, I guess it was just um, thinking about opportunities and also maybe to be with my mom's parents, I don't know. I, I don't know all the details, I should ask more, but I always feel like it was huge for me because I spent most of the time in Canada, in um, Saskatchewan, in the prairies, and it's a, it's a different, environment and i lived in in ottawa for a couple years as well but i feel like if we hadn't moved to southern california my life would be so extremely different i mean i guess that's obvious but i feel like it was pretty gutsy for you know a couple in their young 30s to you know load up two kids in the oldsmobile and (laughs) and drive down to california (laughs) well actually two one was driving a moving truck and the other was was in the oldsmobile we kind of like Followed along and, and, and did a road trip. with
0: The caravan our down south. Yeah. <laughs> well, so w- was the business blue-collar, or was it...
1: Like, yeah, I'd they say making, so.
0: Were your parents creative?
1: Um. Yeah, but not so much for, for the work. But, yeah, I grew up... Like, my dad always had a wood shop in the basement where we'd bang around on stuff. And my mom had a background in, like, early childhood education, and she was really into, like... We would make stuff out of anything. She would save, you know, old containers and we'd create stuff. And she was always encouraging. She would um, mix us up paint to paint and that kind of stuff. Um, And she's still like that with with kids. And so she's amazing. And uh, and other things that I would say are are creative pursuits.
0: So you kind of had some of that in the environment growing up.
1: Yeah, I feel like I was a real kid and had you know, a lot of imagination time and making things time. I've always liked to have my hands in whatever and, and make things and, and uh, mud pies and that kind of thing as well.
0: Yeah, and I imagine, and this is based on no actual like, real information, that you would just have all this space and air and not boredom, but quiet time to explore, be imaginative. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, there was that. And then the time, I mean, too, we were in a different time where I think we're of a similar generation where we could go out and ride bikes and play wherever and just be home by dinner kind of thing a lot of the time. But, yeah, in the prairies, there's tons of space. And my grandparents um, on my dad's side had a farm, so we spent a lot of time on the farm. And out in the fields, there were a lot of wheat and some other crops, too. And then um, that's just like... A total playground for a kid you know there's the crick out back and things like that to play in so yeah you say the crick there (laughs) well I well my dad would say something like that when he's talking you know like how he would you know make fun of the old days kind of thing you know but but yeah my grandpa would say the crick
0: that's I'm from Pittsburgh (laughs) and we that's like the vernacular we say I grew up next to Chartier's Crick which is People are like, what the hell? Isn't that something you have in your neck? It's not like yeah. a body of water. It's like, yeah, we going down to the creek.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, we had that. But my parents were great, too. I mean, they took us everywhere, my brother and I, and we got to do all sorts of stuff. I mean, I, I swam as a wee baby. You know, my mom had also taught swimming lessons and gymnastics and some other things. So did that and was on like bob skates on the canal before I was a year old with a giant like hockey helmet bigger than my body pretty much that's and,
0: so canadian
1: yeah <laughs> and they take us to you know the the plays and things like that around town i mean wherever they were going so i feel like i had uh, i mean it wasn't the big city but we were exposed to what was available and we skied at like three they just took us me and my brother to the top of the mountain kind of like go down if you think you're gonna fall just sit down and away we went you know
0: <laughs> it's kind of like when you first start swimming, they just dump you in the deep end? It's the same yeah, time. yeah.
1: Just, yep, that's Just push what you down I, the
0: slope. There you I go. I feel kid. like
1: that was my whole childhood. And I think it served me well, you know, just go for it. And that's sort of still what I hear from my parents, you know. Which oh, is definitely. I nice think it's, thing.
0: it's so valuable. And now I feel like parenting, you can't do that quite as much. Or it's harder to have that cavalier attitude because of all that kind of... Pressure of everything being safe. You know what I mean? it's
1: Yeah, yeah. It feels like a massive amount of pressure in so many ways, you know, these days. It seems really tough. So it's I don't a big know. Shift. Yeah, yeah.
0: With creativity, too. That's the other thing. It's like, you know, if you have all that time and, and mental space to explore, I don't think necessarily younger people are less creative. It's just a different sort of um, engagement with creativity and imagination. You know what I mean? It's, right. it's almost like you had to develop more of it yourself and now it's more interacting with all this content all the time, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. It seems, I mean, fascinating and a bit bewildering to me, you know, and, and interesting to see over time, like how how that plays out in the long run in terms of things being made and visual input and that kind of thing too.
0: Yeah, I used to have this real attitude of like well it used to be better you know what I <laughs> mean like it's better the way I grew up or whatever and then I realized that it's just changing you know it's different right there's yeah. the sort of good and bad in both avenues or in the different ways that these things happen it's just you know it depends on how you engage with it really
1: right yeah I agree with that it's just uh, yeah it's just really fascinating to watch I mean my niece is 15 and just to see how she and her friends interact and and the way that they respond to things around them, you know It's it's different than than I experienced but really really interesting to watch
0: for sure now growing up Was there music in the house or was it a quiet house?
1: No, there was music. I mean not like massive amounts, but my mom played piano so I remember piano being around, you know and singing sometimes and then um Like, they'd have records, I remember in the evening being, records being on, I think my mom at the time, she had some classical type stuff, but not, like, hardcore, and um, my dad, this, I guess, when I would have been a little older, for some reason, one record sticks out, he had, like, the Jay Giles band, (laughs) and I remember not being allowed to listen to the, the second side, because I think there was, um, there was a song they found that would be inappropriate for, for me. So for a while, I like, anyway, I remember like sneaking onto the second side at some point, but yeah. So they're still into music. Um, both of them, they go to, they go to shows and my dad's busted out the records again and likes to find stuff here and there. So yeah. yeah.
0: Isn't yeah. it funny also the parallel difference between I remember growing up some of that stuff that was, like, quote-unquote questionable. You know what I mean? Yeah, And and now what kids hear?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Yeah, it's wild. Although I feel like a
0: transition because I remember listening to, like, Ice-T or NWA and and think, it was like contraband when I got that cassette tape, you know. I could not be found. Like, I had to make sure this thing was secret, you know.
1: Yeah, well, that's funny you say Ice-T because I was, I remember one of the first, um, Concerts I went to, like on my own with a friend or something, it was one of those Lollapalooza. Oh yeah, is that what they're called? Yeah. And Ice tea was on the bill.
0: Oh, that's cool. That yeah. must have been. was he with Body Count, I think. On yes, Lollapalooza tour, yep. which was a yeah. whole different thing. That wasn't it the was, one with the Beastie was, Boys, was it? that's
1: No, but I did go to the Beastie Boys the one. That was a well. good one. A with year. Smashing yeah.
0: Pumpkins and the Beastie Boys and Verve and all. That. Yeah, those were good <laughs> when you're younger because. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know what it's like now, but, you know, it was a way to see. you. Uh, essentially, you were going to go see someone that you never would have gone to see if they were just playing their own bill. So it kind of opened yeah. your eyes. I remember seeing the Flaming Lips on a Lollapalooza side stage. It was like, what the hell? There's like a bubble machine, and there's like people <laughs> freaking out on stage. It was amazing, you know?
1: Yeah, it's so fun. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, those were good experiences. And visual and weird and definitely something I couldn't do anymore. But when I was younger, I was all for it. Now yeah. festivals seem scary.
1: Yeah, I haven't been for a while. I, 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 I kind of like a sit-down show. Is that horrible to say?
0: Listen, I'm embracing <laughs> it. I like a jazz club. I like the Village Vanguard. I got a table for two hours. I'm ordering food. You know, yes, perfect. It's just no one's bumping into me. I kind of like it. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. So you did have some music going on, too. And then when did you start, like, was drawing a thing? I mean, most kids draw, but I don't know if that was a thing you were into early on.
1: Um, Yeah, yeah, always. And I also, now that I think, I played a couple instruments, too, but just briefly. But that's it. Anyway, yeah, drawing, I always, um, yeah, drawing, painting, not with any kind of... um, specific direction but yeah my mom I think has a bunch of my stuff and I pulled one out like years ago that I really liked because I would I would do whatever it was a little watercolor or drawing or temper paint whatever we were, but whatever was out I guess and and then my mom would say, and This was when I was really young, cause I asked her, I said, one had, that had like a title on the back. I'm like, What's this? And she said, Oh, well, after you would do them, I would just ask you, do you, do, you have, do you want to tell me anything about it? And so sometimes I would tell her stuff, and so she'd write it down. Oh, that's and, cool. Yeah, so it's sort of sweet. But I, yeah, I mean, I draw it. I remember I drew, I made stuff with all kinds of things that were around and wood things with my dad, but stuff from like found objects. Things and um, sewing. I remember when I was when I was pretty young. I wanted a sewing machine, and then I was so disappointed. I think I was four or five. I got like a toy one for Christmas. I was mortified. But um, fortunately, my mom started letting me use her sewing machine then, so that was
0: oh, because it was, was too nice. it was too basic.
1: Yeah, I wanted to make legit stuff. I didn't want to be, you know, messing around with this yarn poking through right. foam, you know?
0: Yeah, totally. <laughs> I had the same exact experience, except it was a guitar. I really wanted a guitar. My parents got me this start. I mean, they couldn't afford it, but they got me this starter guitar that had an amplifier in it, which is so not rock and roll. I mean, now yeah. it's kind of awesome, but... it had a little amp and i was like oh thank you You know i was really excited but i I was kind of disappointed because i wanted like a real one with an amp that you put yeah so it was what i just thought i'm never going to be able to play on stage with this thing (laughs) 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 that wasn't a real worry that i needed to have at that point so you (laughs) borrowed hers and you were messing around on her sewing machine
1: yeah yeah i mean i'm not sure why that wasn't an option before i think she they figured oh we'll we'll get her her own or something but but yeah so they let me go and i just sailed away started making like you know stuffed things and
0: yeah yeah. so the the move to california what happened like how did it change anything or what did it change and You know, did you start taking art classes when you were down there? Like, how does art enter the picture whenever you move down there?
1: Um, Well, I mean, I still was making things, but later on, um, yeah, I took art classes, but just in school, not really outside of school that I can think of, but um, by the time I was in high school, I was taking, this is maybe jumping too far ahead, but in high school I was taking all the art classes and we had a better selection at that point in time and then um, skipping ahead from that like my and then that was sort of when I was really getting into it though I don't know that I thought of it as like a lifetime endeavor just something I always did and and liked and then um, in high school I was in San Diego and UCSD had this program and... Basically, it was an early admission thing, and so my whole senior year of high school, I could cut out at lunchtime and had the afternoons free, and I could take whatever courses I wanted at at the university, and you can stay on if you want later with, like, a scholarship and stuff. But, um, so, I did that, and I knew a couple other people, and, and I think most people went there and did the sciences, but I jumped right into the art classes, so that was... That was a great experience, and, and I had some interesting um, artists there that, I mean, as in- instructors that kind of made a big difference.
0: Yeah, also, too, just aesthetically, I imagine a big shift because, I mean, San Diego's got, like, 330 sunny days a year or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, the lights are, like, really important to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, my studio, I just use the natural light um but i think part of that's also the energy but yeah the light of of here i feel is is really magical and and affects what i'm doing i'm not sure how early on that kind of had like a conscious effect but it probably permeates throughout you know and has effect on your life and how you see things i would imagine to a certain extent
0: yeah i would imagine you know in canada you know a different kind of light obviously just a A different relationship to the sun you know in a way yeah so at that age like moving to southern california i just wonder if you know if that shift becomes like unconsciously engraved into your perception you know what i mean of like an adjustment of the way that because light is everything right yeah everything we see colors everything is just refract it's all light in different sort of amounts you know
1: yeah i think i think that it's it it surely affects me but the there's the other thing of like this space thing that that there is like a similarity between here and central canada i feel like this like open sprawl and a lot of sky and that yeah. but but the lights definitely definitely different and yeah hugely important i wish i I wish there were some way to maybe more measure it, but I guess that would just ruin it, but yeah. It's, yeah,
0: it's, I think it's, it's of, unconscious. It's fun to think about it, but it's kind of unconscious. I remember the first time, I think it was just after high school, I started with friends. We drove across the country and we camped everywhere. We didn't stay in, we couldn't afford hotels, so we just brought a tent. And I remember staying out in Idaho and the sky was just, I mean, the amount of stars was, it was more star than sky
1: yeah and yeah. you could
0: see the Milky Way like the thick band of stars and it was just you know coming from the east coast never saw anything like that and I still think I have a romantic kind of I don't know view or, or sort of perception of the sky and stars because it was unveiled to me at a different time that like oh wait it's actually amazing up there and it's the same sky but different place you know it's it's weird it it kind of makes an imprint i i love painting the sky to this day you know and stars and just thinking about shooting stars and stuff like that and i think it has something to do with that wonder of you know exploring the country and then also like the nature revealing itself in a different way because it's so different than the coasts you know
1: yes yeah yeah the the canadian sky i've seen some magnificent things there in, in the middle of canada there's like um, like the stars alone, like you're saying. But then, like one of the last times I went to visit um, my grandparents there, I they picked me up from the airport, and we had like a few hour drive to their place, and and there was just like sheet lightning. So the whole oh, sky, yeah. you know, lights up. It's just amazing. And the, the northern lights, you can see. I really was gonna well. say,
0: do you see aurora borealis? Did you? Were yes. you able to see it? Yeah. That I mean, I've only seen photos of it, but looks amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And now I'm wanting to go back and <laughs> just stare at the sky. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's, I mean, I have memories of it. I think your perspective, like some of those experiences were later in life. But as a kid, like some of your experiences like through space, like some of them were in the car and time seems so slow. So yeah. I have my memories of that landscape are like, I feel like probably a distorted sort of speed in space. But I just have memories that just seem slow and expansive and like all encompassing. All around you, just this open space, and it's so flat. So you just see forever.
0: You know. So the, I mean, doesn't it seem like that pace and some of the the nuance of that is really baked into your work?
1: Well, yeah. Now that we say this out loud, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes.
0: No, I mean, I, yeah, the adjectives of you know this sort of vastness and and the flatness, and then the you know the the light and the movement. I don't know. I could just see. I think that's the thing when, you know, like as a teacher, when you, you're sort of talking about abstraction to people who don't quote unquote get it, you know what I mean? They're like, I just don't get abstraction. It's like, I think you have to bring something to the table as far as experience and being able to, to look within it for connections to, you know, your life and what you've seen and, and it can become really interesting how that reverberates, you know, but you have to have an open mind for that really as opposed to a picture of just someone like smoking a cigarette and you're like, oh, okay, I get it. You know what I mean? It's, (laughs) it's a different nuance, but in hearing, you know, thinking about the landscapes, the light and the way that you grew up and traveled and and did what you did, it, it, the paintings feel like that, you know what I mean? They feel like portraits in a way.
1: Yeah. I I kind of appreciate you saying that. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to, call them portraits, but that's something I'm really interested in, is how some of your experience permeates through, and that energy and experience does wind up on the canvas, and then that as an access point, potentially, for anyone else to bring their own experience to, and, and glean what they can from it, and hopefully, it doesn't, like, in my mind, I'm not hoping that any viewer sees something particular, but the it's really satisfying to have the thought that someone might connect with it in some way. And I feel like the space, to open the space for the potential for that connection, uh, there needs to be, I don't know if I should say honesty is the right way, but like, yeah, a real, a something there from the starting point. I feel like if there's something there at some point, someone will, can hold on to that, you know, yeah. as, as elusive as it may be, you know?
0: Right. You have to be able to, as a viewer, knock down all those sort of peripheral expectations and framework and have this sort of direct conversation with the image. I feel like when I was younger, you know, I remember the first time I saw Pollock at the Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh and I was like, oh, what the, you know, what is this? You know what I mean? It was just (laughs) weird and kind of enchanting and like, I don't, wait, what? You know, and then like in learning about it, in In the thought of like it's basically a portrait of his movements around the canvas, right, so it's kind of like a collective um, capturing of of expression or dance around the canvas mm-hmm. and I thought that was really interesting that in a way it's kind of a self portrait of a performance or a movement and um but you have to go to that being willing to put aside the my kid can do that right. <laughs> <laughs> Which seems to be for a large portion of the art viewing public a difficult hurdle.
1: <laughs> it's sad, <laughs> yeah. It is.
0: But ironically, like if you hear a Ramon song, like if you know Blitzkrieg Pop, not many people are like, "Oh, I could play those three chords." But
1: True. But like
0: everyone can play "Smoke on the Water," but "Smoke <laughs> on the Water," no one's like, "That's a terrible song because I could play it." But with art, it's because of you know the complexity of it or whatever, and. And it's, you know, it's complicated. But people have a hard time sort of buying that, you know, or getting over that hurdle of, well, I could do that. <laughs> but you didn't.
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> I don't know if you have those, you know, in, in in devoting your, you know, working artistic life to abstraction, if it's something that you even care about that much about the viewer or if you're thinking about, or you have those conversations, you know what I mean? But, you know, I it's it's an interesting sort of, linguistic, in the language of art, it's an interesting kind of, um, you know, portal to the viewer. And and I think it's really exciting to think about and to navigate that portal, as opposed to, you know, work like mine, where it's just like, hey, it looks like a tree, it's a tree. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me want to work abstract, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's, that's interesting, because I kind of, uh,
1: yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really think that much about it, except for there's a space where it's slippery, I guess, between spaces. But, um, yeah, it's not something I think about all that much. I mean, some people, I feel like if they don't connect with it in some way, some people just say, oh, I, I like the colors or something. Right. And, and in a sense, I mean, that's valid. I'm, I'm, I'm not looking necessarily to convert anyone, but I would love anyone who can enjoy the work w- where they are, I guess, or at whatever entry point it might be, but um, I don't think as much about um, it satisfying some space. I guess more it's kind of about um, my interest in exploring what I'm doing and, and trusting or hoping that maybe that resonates somewhere, right. with someone at some time. I guess, yeah, and. Going back to the space, I'm just looking out my window right now, and I'm realizing that this space thing, or the vastness, I think kind of continues, because I realize, like, I also like to be up. Now, like, my view, when I'm working, if I turn around, I'm, like, five stories up, and I just see, like, the L.A. skyline and big sky, and that's, like, you know, a constant change of visual interest, you know, throughout the day, and every day, you know, it's different, and the same, but different, and... um, Yes, yeah, so I guess that's continuing.
0: Well, advantageous that your studio's up on the fifth floor then.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, for for maybe only that reason. I mean, otherwise it just creates a lot of headache for, you know, getting things in and out and that sort of thing, that, but yeah. That's true. Yeah.
0: Well, I hope you but have an elevator for that big work. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we
1: have a freight elevator if it were only stairs
0: (laughs) and like the landlord's like wait you want to be on the sixth floor why (laughs) Why would you want to do that
1: I know I mean I have dreams of a roll-up but I don't know how I'm going to get it up high enough I guess like a studio on stilts with like some kind of nice ramp or something
0: oh yeah that'd be nice (laughs) well if you ever I don't know if you do have or thought about like the country studio you know a lot of people Mm. are into that nowadays to get out of the city but having a big open space out in you know, because in California, you don't have to drive that far to get to, you know, open space. That's right. Kinda yeah, there are
1: a lot of people who have um, studios um, out in the desert now. Yeah, which and mountains of not far? Have kind of a too.
0: cool, uh, you know, dichotomy. It's like the New York City upstate sort of thing. You know, the balance between the two, and yeah. um, you know, but yeah, it's and thinking about too what you're talking about with, uh, you know, how the viewers. Uh, engage with it it's almost like a song in a way it's like you may pour your heart out into your lyrics and it means something really direct to you but you don't necessarily expect all the viewers to get the story or for it to resonate necessarily as long as they're into the song and if they can buy into the lyrics or if it speaks to them then that's an advantage but you're kind of doing your thing you know
1: yeah yeah I mean same with music I feel like Almost a lot of time it's more valuable that someone can identify with it super personally as opposed to maybe like a literal way Something may be written to be like more of a manifesto or statement or or something But but I'm yeah always more interested I think in that like someone can connect from their space or their experience because I feel like that's that's a strong bond that you know is hard to interrupt or, or, you know, and I feel like that's special wherever you find it, like in music or painting or out in the world or with people or, you know, to have, like, those connections.
0: Definitely. Well, so when you went to college, was, did it take you a bit to major in art or were you, did you know going in, well, this is what I want to start doing, and then what were you making in your early stages?
1: Yeah, well when i i don't know if I should add like a parallel to this all or not, because I was doing like the I was doing the art classes um, in the afternoons at the university when I was in high school, and then I also at that same time um, got an interesting job that somehow was not related but sort of related at a comic book company and was oh, coloring nice. comics and um that wasn't my goal or what I wanted to do, it's just like a side story that I'm not exactly sure why I'm mentioning. But then, um, so when I was at the at the school, I had met a lot of people I really liked. I'd always thought I was going, I had plans to go somewhere else, but wound up making such great connections and enjoying the experience I was having in San Diego that I, I stayed on there. And so I knew at that point that you know, I wanted. This is what I wanted to do. I also was taking. They had like really great science departments. So I also was taking like some cognitive science and neuroscience there because you could, you know, because yeah. the four-year university. So yeah. I, I I took advantage of that as like a area of concentration study. But pretty pretty early on, I knew I was majoring in like the how they had it divided then was studio art, and I wound up doing a minor in film and video, and then. This area of concentration in the sciences, and then kind of feel like they kind of came together. But I, I, I always knew that at that point that um, I was going to be focused on the, the art end of the spectrum.
0: Why? So when did you? When would you say you started, kind of like making work work? You know, like in a way of like, oh, I'm, I'm making my own work as an artist. You know what I mean? I don't know if it was a, like you know on Tuesday July 30th or something <laughs> but I mean you know when did you start to feel like oh I'm getting into this like this is something I kind of you know usually it's like a it's like you get bit by the bug and you really Well I was so
1: in into it. it as a student I mean at that time it was like from 17 to you know early 20s was really intense like I was I was going to the classes and then working and then spending all night making these gigantic oil paintings and then hauling them back on cause I didn't live on campus, hauling them to campus for a crit in the morning, soaking wet, <laughs> gigantic, no sleep, like, hey, check it out. But I had like people responding and interested, you know, like I had a amazing teachers saying like, oh, bring another one next week. So I would just, I was just jamming, just making paintings and sculpture and busy all the time, burning the candle at, at both ends. So I was, I mean, I guess I, I it was like a new experience to have this environment where people were interested and this was going on and people were making things and that was just like a really exciting energy to be a part of and so I fully just went full on. I tend to be a fairly focused person when I do something. I kind of go at it and and go hard. So yeah. it was, it, it, I just kind of went all in and was just making things all the time and I lived in this old Victorian house um, at the time. and and I had the upstairs floor and I mean I was making big like plaster sculptures, giant oil paintings like in there and like thank goodness the the landlords at the time were very forgiving and it was like an older house that they hadn't you know redone yet so there's all kinds of stuff going on in there and then it was always like you were mentioning earlier the feat of like oh how do I get this down those stairs now and there being a couple of interesting instances like big sculptures and stuff. Out the window. um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And so, ban those up to like the campus for whatever was going on there, so it, it started then, really, I think, pretty intensely.
0: What was that early work like?
1: Um, you know, in some ways, I feel like it could still be related, like tied in visually to what I do now, but it was like um, the paintings had a lot of color so that was still a thing but I feel like they were maybe they were chunkier and more things in them and sort of more leaning to um figure but still having like these weird space relations and not like um not photorealism or any, any kind of way and then the sculptures they were like usually life or like larger than life and some were sort of like little scenes or big plaster sculptures, sort of, um, I don't know, there was usually the hand involved a lot, but I'm not sure, this is really not coming to like a solid answer for
0: you, I'm sorry. No, no, it's, it's fine, <laughs> um, it's, well it's hard to describe, like, you know, it's, it's like, it's a difficult thing to es- describe exactly how something looks, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, but the paintings were, I, I mean, I feel like they fed into what I still do now. Just they were, um, yeah, they were different. I don't, I don't know. Um,
0: so, how did you, but how did you come to the decision to go to Chicago for grad school? Um,
1: well, I was, you I applied that, to.
0: You missed that bad weather?
1: Yeah. no no I accepted I accepted my spot there never having been to the city to be honest with you (laughs) yeah yeah and then I went but it was great I'd only applied to um three schools and um it seemed kind of most attractive in a way and they gave me a little scholarship and they were great when I talked to them on the phone and it just seemed like yeah why not and one of the schools I was considering was in London, and I would have had to quarantine my cat for six months, and I have to say that did factor in, and and um, so yeah, it just it just sort of seemed like all right, let's go do this, and so I did, and and it was great, but yeah, I I, I just kind of jumped in and and went over there. So you like Chicago?
0: I mean, speaking of a city full of music and good, I don't know there's good culture, good art there, and you know, although that program the art institute is such a big school like just well at least when i visited when i was applying for graduate schools i did the tour and i was like i was a little like um taken aback by just how many studios and it just seemed like a big program
1: yeah it's huge but it was sort of divided up which i mean was good and bad but good in the terms of you sort of get narrowed down into more of a smaller group but bad in that like drawing and painting was here and sculptures like in some other building and I was so used to things but it's good because I feel like between the two schools I went to it was like uh, they meshed together well because they were quite different but so Chicago was huge which was good in some ways you could see that but you didn't get to connect with all the departments in the same way you might at some some schools but um, I mean I found my people there like um, advisors and and stuff that were great, and wound up um, having good relationships with with them, which seems to me a lot of times the most important. Either you know, students or teachers that you kind of have a one on one kind of strong relationship with can yeah. be beneficial. And I wound up like towards the end, there were two I was real close with. One he would DJ around town, like he had old vinyl and stuff, and so it was fun. Um, he would come in for a crit and bring along like a mixtape or like some suggestions for you know what you should listen to. Um, nice. And I'm not that old. But there were tapes weren't the main thing, but I believe the the little stereo I had in my studio had a tape deck, but <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't like the you know anyway. Um, so that was great. And then I had another one who I wound up being like a studio assistant for 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 a brief bit before I left. So you know it's like it's a big school, but I mean, I anyway found, like, my people to kind of feel like you're not in this vast swimming space. And, and the city was great. I mean, I spent a lot of time um, seeing music and stuff, too, at the time.
0: Are we talking, like, Empty Bottle, places like that?
1: Yeah, Empty Bottle, um, Fireside Bowl. Oh, Fireside
0: Bowl. Wait, what years <laughs> are we talking? Um,
1: 2000,
0: 2001. Oh, yeah. That's when I, I, the band that I was in recorded our record there in 2000. Where at? at Electrical. At Steve Albini's studio.
1: Oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah.
0: And we played the fire. We probably played when you were there. We played the fireside. That place is a real dump. It was great. It's
1: total (laughs) dump. Yeah, I was there a lot more than I should admit, but yeah, it was great. Got headbutted by Wesley Willis in the little bar in the front one night. Oh (laughs)
0: man, that's something. I mean, it
1: was a friendly, friendly one. See that on
0: your CV. That should definitely be on. I don't know what category you put it on, but rock under, rock over London or whatever, and then yes, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Wesley Willis is amazing.
1: Yeah. So there's some some really good times seeing shows yeah in Chicago. So it was kinda sure. like
0: indie stuff that you were seeing, like
1: Yeah, yeah, for the most part like Indian like, like punk stuff at yeah. the
0: time. I mean that was a really fertile time for that stuff then.
1: Yeah, yeah. I had some friends who were um in bands, a couple there and then in San Diego and stuff who came through while I was there and name, that sort of name thing. Them. Oh gosh, of, no no. And the bands. <laughs> no. This but. is this,
0: this was my era of like music <laughs> stuff in Chicago, so it's but yeah, there, there was a lot of great stuff going on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. It was super good energy. But yeah, I, I just I look back sometimes and go, so gosh, like how did I do all that? You know, so much energy. It's like now it's I don't know, I guess it's just roll with it but youth it was exciting (laughs) boundless energy you know
0: (laughs) that's like when I used to make work and then also be in a band and we would go on tour I think about the idea of like getting into a van now and like driving across the country with a few stinky people and like no showers and like barely stay you know I'm just like there's no way I could do that yeah but when you're younger you go to town, and we didn't have GPS. That's the one thing that always amazes me, is like we somehow drove across country with no GPS. We used paper <laughs> maps. <laughs> Doesn't it seem like a different lifetime ago that that happened? Yeah,
1: it's pretty wild. It's yeah.
0: I mean, it, it did cause us to be late to some gigs, but yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, that van life, I don't know. I remember hopping in a friend's van once to go. They were going to play in Vegas and just on a whim hopped in and did the like 48-hour tour and was nice. like, wow, yeah, <laughs> this it's <just> insane. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which is, and that's like, you know, the hardest is whenever you're on the tail end of something. So if it's like in week two or week three and you just <laughs> want to get home, you're tired of it, you know, but it's great, it's wonderful. Um, but so it sounds like you had a good community there in Chicago and you took to it well was I mean did you have the idea as soon as it was over okay I'm gonna get back to Southern California or did it take some time what was your thought process
1: no I mean um, I kind of left Chicago just just the way things went some things were falling there were some personal situations and stuff. I guess I just felt like I needed to, to um, go back to San Diego for a minute, and then I thought I was gonna um, just touch down there for maybe you know, a year, not too long, and wound up back there for a, a decade. <laughs>
0: It's California. It's like a Venus flytrap, right? Just keep
1: yeah, yeah. But Chicago is good, but I'm not sure that I had intended to stay there. I mean, like I think other people have been told I was... I mean, Chicago's beautiful and great, and they have an amazing artist community, but I'm not sure um, if it would have been the best place for me to stay, not even weatherwithstanding. Yeah, <laughs> but, right. but, 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 I mean, I, I had had um, instructors there suggest, like, you know, move on to New York or LA or something for the long term. That was just their advice, you know, based on whatever. So I love Chicago and I go back and, and it's great and I still keep in touch with a few people from, from there and that. But um, but yeah, I didn't, didn't stay there for the, for the long term.
0: Have you gotten a show there since?
1: Mm, no.
0: Yeah, I've never shown in Chicago. I have never shown Only in expo, Chicago. like only in the art fair, which I don't think Right, yes, yes, just can in art fair.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, that'd be, it, yeah, it's, it's a great town. OK, so you moved back, and was this when yeah. your work sort of blossomed into what it is now?
1: No, well, see, I had done a one-year program at Chicago, and then had debated going back for an additional time, and then deferred, and then. and I. I shouldn't even say this, <laughs> but but no, I I I didn't. I I went back to San Diego when things happened, and I was still painting. But I sort of actually, to be totally honest, I'm um, um, hopefully this helps someone. But I'm not even sure if I should reveal it. But I I did. I kind of lost a bit of focus. Just got into some other um, life things, and 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 at some point thought, oh my gosh, what's happened? And then and then just kind of re. Um, assessed and got back in fully again at some point and, and just, uh, yeah, eventually moved to LA and, and then continued to kind of, um, yeah, move on.
0: Do your thing. So what's the, the dynamics? I mean, I've only spent a little bit of time in both and, um, one of my best friends was from, uh, San Diego, so I got to stay there a little bit, but, um, there was a critique that San Diego maybe doesn't have quite as much culture and um, sort of, I don't know, it's, it's kind <laughs> of like more comfortable and it's a certain clientele. I mean, was it was the shift to LA invigorating or was it daunting or was it? Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Path? No, no, I knew it's, it's way different. I mean, it's both Southern California, so there's like certain things that are the same in terms of, you know, weather, getting around, you know. Traffic. Uh, yeah, traffic. <laughs> <laughs> L.A. traffic's still worse, but, yeah. <laughs> but way worse and, yeah, getting worse every day at the moment. But, um, um, no, I knew, I, I never planned to stay in San Diego and there wasn't really what I felt I needed there, like, personally or, you know, art-wise, I guess. And um, I have great, fr- that, that being said, I have great friends there and there are some artists I know running their own spaces and I know a couple of gallery people there. You know, it's, it's... Um, it's a great place, but yeah, it's, it's a, a definitely different um, energy than L.A., and I hadn't intended on staying there. It became a sort of decision of, am I going to move to New York or L.A.? I just needed more stimulation on all kinds of levels in my life, I thought. So um, at the time, there were just more things pointing to L.A., for me and it wound up being I think a good move at a good time there were just a lot of opportunities and energy um this was like 10 years ago and and so I moved here and, and just kept moving and and it's been really great and I settled in when I was younger I, I didn't think I would want to be in LA um to be honest but um I love it here now and I found my little corner and it's, it's yeah how great. long have you been
0: in that very nice studio
1: I've been in my studio for, um, for 10 years.
0: 10 years. So you're comfortable in that. And have you, has you, where you live, is it nearby? Is it a long commute? Like what's. I
1: live, I have a live workspace.
0: Oh, you do. You live where you work. Oh yeah. I'm in it all the time. (laughs) I can imagine in Los Angeles and having never lived there, but knowing about it, a good commute, let's say that.
1: Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a definite bonus of, I'm not sure I'd want it much different (laughs) because, yeah, it's nice to not have to commute and, and, yeah, it saves a lot of time and energy to just be able to um, go out for what I want and need as opposed to a daily grind of it, yeah.
0: Right, and um, so judging by the stacked canvases behind you, or not canvas, linen, (laughs) Um, You're a big fan of linen. When did that start?
1: Um, That started... Like... Maybe... Somewhere between 12 and 15 years ago, I guess. Yeah.
0: It's an interesting thing. Like, I always think... You know, I've painted on linen a few times in my life. And my work is... It's not flat, but it's pretty flat. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? It's not, like, super chunky. And um, I found that with linen... The advantage of linen is when you get that toothy linen that's very, like, you know, it has, like, a real linen quality to it, but I end up flattening mm-hmm. it anyways. Mm-hmm. So, what is it about linen that turned you on to it?
1: Um... Well, initially, I was just exploring it as another material, and I think partly because it's made from flax, and I'd grown up around flax. feel we like, that's kind of a hokey idea, but that's part of, one of the reasons. And also, I was just sort of interested in, in materials and, like, traditional materials, so there was a time that I explored a few different things that were, you know, been used for a really long time. But, rabbit
0: skin glue? Um, yeah, the rabbit
1: skin glue and some, like... Brass tacks, and oh things yeah, ah, like that real
0: deep cut Belgian style.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, anyway, but but the linen I like now. I mean, I kept just kept using it, and there's something about the amount of bounce that I think I like. And I don't use a soup. I just use a, I use a Belgian linen, and it has some texture, and I actually like that I, in um, the way I build up the ground and the paint. Like it's still some of that exists, like the texture, the nubs and stuff, and we even. And I kind of like that. There's a, just, a, um, I think of it as sort of a warmth or just like a, the material coming through. And I kind of like that, the materiality of it. Um, I mean, I guess of everything. I mean, that's just something that... I respond to that. I, I don't know, but yeah, it also has a different. It reacts different to the to the brush, like a different amount of bounce. Not is it so bouncier? Bouncy. It's it's less bouncy. Oh, it
0: is because I noticed <laughs> yeah. when you were priming in a video, like you're using like a trow like a palette trowel thing, and and it's like you're pushing in, like it's got to give to it's it.
1: It's like a putty knife. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah that's what they called. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. My favorite one, I, I actually I I, I uh, lifted from my dad's garage like when I was a teenager, and it's so sad because the handle finally broke off. Mm-hmm. But so I have a newer one. That I'm trying to get used to, but the old one I have to like hold on to it with the broken metal like against your hand. Right, <laughs> That's right. become more of a a no feat. The, the yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, so that. That oil ground kind of holds some of the texture of the linen through, too.
0: Now, with linen, because you can do it with canvas, I imagine you could do it with linen, but when it gets too loose, you can spray the back with warm water and it tightens it. Do you ever do that with linen? Or do you like it to be looser?
1: Um, I don't know that it's that looser. It's just the amount of pressure that was being put on it. So it has a good bounce back.
0: Boy, well, we're getting real nerding out on the tech talk. <laughs> <laughs> this is when sculptors No, I mean, left it doesn't have that
1: much bounce. I don't know. It's, I, But yeah, you can do that. You know, like when you get like the ridge or whatever and, and on canvas, you'll like wet the back and yeah. do that and it'll make the weird and bounce back. Yeah, it does, it does that too. But it's different in terms of, it, I mean, it'll absorb um, liquid and expand and stuff. But that's why, like the sizing is supposed to help reduce some of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, the so color's really important to you and you're mixing, you pre-mix, right? Not all the time, but I'm sure like when you're doing like, you know, areas. Like when you're, like let's say the painting behind you, the green one that you're about to start, I'm guessing, or you've started with the ground, like yeah. do you know exactly what those shapes are going to be and you mix those colors beforehand? Because I know you, you do little studies too or like drawings on paper, correct?
1: Um. I do, like, li- really fast, like, pencil drawings about kind of thinking about space and and kind of weight of the composition or stuff like that. Yeah. They're really fast in the sketchbook, and so I have those. And then once I have, like, the kind of background color going, that's when I start thinking about the painting a little bit and, like, what might happen or how it might play out. And it's usually somewhere in that point that I start thinking about the colors that are going to go on it, but they're all kind of relating to this set kind of scene in a way mm-hmm. of the color that's that everything else is going to be brought into. Um, so a lot of times there'll be a point when I'm thinking about the space or laying things out that like a bunch of colors will like kind of flash through <laughs> really quick, like yeah. that like a response, and it's like oh no, and now I started I, I'll write them down because sometimes we will just float right back out almost as quickly as they flashed in so i'll do that and so sometimes that'll lead to what actually happens in the painting and then sometimes it'll be like an assessment throughout and like that'll change but as the colors go on the painting there there's space between layers that i make adjustments sometimes because i'm interested in like some sort of a balance between the colors and the values of how everything plays in, like, with that background and then, you know, against each other to sort of make a... when I work on the paintings, I see them as, as forms and lines and stuff moving in and out of space, like up yeah. and around and back and forth and stuff. So the color is is acting with that, like either to push something in a direction where it seems like I would expect it to go or sometimes like countering that to sort of play with where it's sitting in relation to the other other forms and stuff on the on the canvas in that space.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of nice implied movement in the paintings. They seem so so much frozen for a second of like anthropomorphic moving shapes that are, I mean, have you ever thought about or done any animation? Or I'm sure you looked at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I see the paintings as what you just said, basically frozen. Like they could be going on forever, potentially both in space off and on out of the frame, but also um, like in constant motion within there. And that's just a moment. and. Um, yeah, I, I haven't done animation since—I mean, for years. But I did some like stop motion animation and stuff like that. And at one point, did it based on like some things I had drawn. But I haven't done anything um, that I've ever shown or anything like
0: that. Yeah, remember Jeremy Blake's work? That stuff was really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. That there's not many people who do abstract animation like that, but. Or to my knowledge, I mean, or it's not out there that much, but there was so much in you know the earliest early twentieth century of like that experimental kind of you know um, abstract animation stuff that was pretty mind blowing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that much of it, but it's something I have interest in, but haven't haven't made um, that much for for years. But I mean, it's not something that I would you know, not consider. It's right, sort of right. like, I, I feel like there, there are things I really would like to dive back into a bit, but it's like, oh, but I'm making this painting. Right. <laughs> so no, it's I sort know. of just trying to like figure out when and how to like weave things in gradually and, and see what happens in other other spaces kind of,
0: yeah. Definitely. Are you a um, quiet studio person or do you like to turn up the music or how, what are you doing while you're working?
1: Yeah, a music layout all the time
0: yeah does it match the mood or is it just kind of like you play whatever it
1: matches the mood and i feel like there's certain like kind of lanes i get in when i'm working as opposed to doing other things in life you know
0: yeah but mostly it's Fleetwood Mac (laughs) (laughs)
1: Fleetwood Mac's good driving I think like that's a driving music and like there's Stevie Nicks album that I like to drive to the Wild Heart album that's good (laughs) but but when I'm working I feel like I don't know it's it's kind of like floats between a space of like um stuff that's lyric-heavy in terms of, like, wanting to be told, like, a story or something, like, mm-hmm. tell me a story, and then... And then I'm not sure what marks the shift, but then it'll shift to, like, pretty much more instrumental-only music for a while. And just recently was trying to think, like, what's marking these changes? Because sometimes it'll be just all of a sudden that day, it's like... Sometimes it'll be through a rabbit hole of hearing about a new album out, and it right. leads to something else, but sometimes I feel like, well, that seemed arbitrary. Like, why did today decide to be, like, switching back to... To this kind of mode instead of the other, but I tend to listen to stuff, you know, repeated when I'm working, yeah. you know, for weeks or whatever, either the same band or the same kind of energy.
0: Well, when I look at the work, I can totally um, imagine sort of like instrumental electronic stuff, you know, and probably some of that stuff from the era we were talking about like mouse on mars or bands like that to where you know there's sort of playful anthropomorphic movement but it's there's not necessarily lyrics i can imagine that being
1: yeah like yesterday i was listening to like the the most recent matmos album oh yeah Yeah. it's like it's i realized it's three hours long
0: too (laughs) <laughs> which nice <laughs> is,
1: which is kind of nice cuz otherwise sometimes i'll be listening to like one album or two albums for you know a couple of weeks or whatever and and you have to repeat them like so frequently so the 3 hours was kind of like oh this is nice you can get into it but yeah I listen to that and like um sometimes boards of canada will come in So in weird
0: I was going to say boards of canada not because really? of the canadian connection <laughs> no but i was thinking of that kind of that era of electronica where it was like, like um Well, Mouse on Mars and, you know, bands like Oval, uh, Marcus Pop and, you know, that kind of like instrumental Nobukazu Takamura would be a good example of someone who's kind of like in that vein. I don't know
1: all these people. I'm going to have to write some of it down. But some of that, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'll send
0: you a list. And there was that Yui album cover. Remember the band Yui? It was Mm -hmm. Sasha Fred Jones who wrote for Mm -hmm. the Village Voice. They had a record cover that had this like Blue Blob. It was a really great record. I forget the name of it.
1: I'll have to look at it. Yeah,
0: there's there's it's cool. Go- I yeah. love when like work like yours like puts me in I mean it doesn't matter to anyone else, but it puts me in a sort of like genre like musical mood. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of fun to when that parallel happens.
1: Yeah, the music feels like I mean it so sets the mood for working, so it's like but then then I feel like I, I don't want to burst the bubble because when I switch to like the you know, more lyric-heavy. That's sort of more embarrassing, kind
0: of. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stereolab, Stereolab could work. Yeah. They have yeah. that sort of anthropomorphic, but it, there's the lyrics to it too. Although lots it, a lot of a lot of it is in French, which enables me to kind of like not pay attention to lyrics quite as much. Yeah. You know, yeah. second language, but um, yeah, that's they had some amazing uh, during that era too. Some amazing music.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. Well, what so you have a show up now, correct?
1: Yes, I have a show up at LA Louvre Gallery. In, when did it uh, open? In Venice Beach. It opened on the 24th, oh, 24th so. of May, and it runs through July 2nd. So.
0: Great, so people will be able to go see that. And it's, we're back, right? Is it safe yes. for humans to go out? Yeah. We're loud? Yeah, they're they're
1: still they're, we're back. <laughs> people are going out and seeing it. You know, standing in front of the <laughs> painting, which is nice. But um, they're still doing appointments, though. I think they're not looking to turn anyone away if someone shows up. But I think right. still, um, yeah. I was wondering about but that. But everyone's everyone's welcome. So hopefully, people will go check it out.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, when's the last time? Well, maybe it's different in LA. I can't remember the last time I was in a gallery not at an opening where there was like an obscene amount of people in the space. Wait, it say seems, that again? Uh, I can't remember the last time I was in a gallery and outside of an opening reception where there's a lot oh, of people in. I
1: know, right. It's yeah, a good it's social
0: not. distance experience, you know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. As yeah. opposed to like if you go to MoMA on like you know, <laughs> a busy day where there's like a million people in there. I think art galleries are a pretty safe bet. It's a lot of space, yeah. there's a lot of air.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great to go see things again, I have to say, too, from it's really my perspective. Nice. Yeah,
0: yeah, for sure. I mean, but, you know, you were in L.A. You had it great, you probably have, like, do you have a yard or do you have space around you where you could go walking around?
1: Yeah, I have space around me, and then there's there are a couple parks, oh, and, um, yeah, which so are great nice. to go, like, have hiking trails and stuff. Like, Griffith Park's huge, and then there's a smaller one I go to, nice. too, and a couple... Yeah, so that, that's been nice. Though we did have, like, you know, massive fires and stuff. So that, though, that period was pretty insane because you don't want, you know, you're trapped inside and you feel trapped outside, you know. It's just, that yeah. was intense. But apart from that, yeah, we're really fortunate to be able to just sort of spend time outside. and
0: Take your cat yeah. for a walk.
1: I take my cat for a walk (laughs) I did have a cat who liked to go for walks but this one not so much he's more of a he's more of a chill out at home guy (laughs)
0: it's so cute when you see cats out walking you know it's so funny I I love it I think our cats would be into it they're like half Maine Coons so I think they're they're kind of like really friendly and outgoing and you know I think they could do the walk thing
1: yeah I had a I had a part Maine Coon one when I was a kid those are they're great cats
0: yeah, they're super sweet. They have no fear. We had a plumber in the other day working on a leak in our sink, and they just walk right up to him, like while he's working. <laughs> they don't care. And, like they're trying to. He's trying to work here, and the cats just come up and start yapping at him. You know, but they have yeah, no. Yeah, making
1: sure he's doing it right. Yeah, right.
0: They have no fear, <laughs> and they're polydactyls, so they have that little extra. Oh you know, no way. Extra thumb, so uh, yeah, they're yeah. they're just into everything, you know.
1: Yeah, well, with those extra thumbs, I mean, they could almost do that plumbing work themselves, right? Right. Yeah, they have yeah. they have an
0: ability. It's weird. They can pick things <laughs> up. I'm not kidding. They can pick things up with it, not like we do. <laughs> no. But, you know. Yeah, no. They yeah, get yeah. the toys, and they're really good at like handling oh, it. Oh, so such Supposedly, an they were prized cats for the ships that were sailing over from Europe to the U.S. because they were better at catching mice and rodents. Because you know, I extra feel like thumb. I heard
1: that. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I've heard that actually. Wow, that's like too not, much too much cat knowledge.
0: I'm rolling with it. Um that's I, I didn't I was locked in for a year. I mean I you know, this is what I was spending my time doing. <laughs> 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 Learning cat facts. Well,
1: it must have been pretty intense over there. I mean in, in, bad, yeah. in New York. I mean that's that's a lot. I mean
0: Yeah. Stuck inside and you know, we were pretty heavily because of our family people at risk, you know, we were heavily quarantined, so um, but hey. Yeah feels great we're vaccinated and out there doing yeah new york feels like it's back you know people are out doing stuff and everyone was painting this picture like it was armageddon and like the day after or something and it was it's just i mean a lot of places closed like businesses closed for temporarily or some permanently but i mean it feels like you know i mean new york's gonna be back it is back can't hold down these crazy people (laughs)
1: Yeah, I don't doubt that. People always see things differently from the outside too. So,
0: <laughs> but it's
1: nice that I feel like we're pretty fortunate. Hopefully, you know. Hopefully, things keep, uh, you know, moving on the upward. Definitely, yeah.
0: and hopefully, yeah. we've learned something. You know.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. Hopefully. Oh my goodness.
0: <laughs> so everyone should go see your show in LA. And if they're not in LA or can't see the show, you are on social media and you have a website and all that business, right?
1: I'm on social media. I don't have a website, but um, only yeah, TikTok. Social right? media. It's only yeah. me dancing in the studio. <laughs> only TikTok. So I have an Instagram, and then and then um, they can see work on LA Luber's website or Miles McHenry's website. But um, yeah, I'm, you're out yeah, there. I keep, I keep on the Instagram a little bit. I try. <laughs>
0: Sounds good nice way to keep in touch yeah (laughs) thanks for uh, taking all this time it was great to talk to you
1: thank you so much Brian it's been a pleasure and I really appreciate it thank you
0: is recorded edited and produced by myself brian alfred you can find out more about the podcast by going to soundadvisionpodcast.com and see more images on instagram at Podcast. you can find out more about my work at alfred studio and at brianalfred.net on the internet Many thanks to Heather Gwen Martin for taking the time out to speak with me. Thanks to Fulcrum Coffee Roasters, Golden Acrylic Colors, and the New York Studio School for their sponsorship. Thanks to Lollatone and Michael Lovett for the intro-outro help, and to Emily Burns for graphic design. Got some great episodes coming up, some exciting artists who have shows up. Make sure you go check out Heather's show at LA Louvre if you are in Los Angeles and uh stay tuned we got some more episodes coming at you thanks a lot for your support stay safe